0: It establishes. Hey, I'm trying to find Sydney Sweeney. Like, where is she?
1: <laughs> not Sydney Sweeney. Like, oh my god, trying to find
0: Sydney Sweeney. Where's Sweeney? I said that even less. Prescott. Like, Any <laughs> Prescott? Dang. know has uh, Sydney
1: Sweeney on the brain. No, it's just the
0: only Sydney name I know, so I feel like that's why. But <laughs> okay, so, we all do, bud. We all yeah, do. you don't.
2: Yeah, you don't have to. I you mean, don't have
1: to apologize.
0: It's a that.
2: safe space, and A lot. We're not. You don't Prescott. have to convince us. <laughs> Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. This is David. And this is Alon, And we finally watched
1: Scream 3. And today we're joined by, once again, thrice again, by Dino and Ginny Favara, our annual Scream companions. Yes. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: We did Scream.
0: But Yeah, we just finished. We watched... Scream 3. I've literally never seen any of the screams until hanging out with the lawn. So yeah. all of these have been it's truly
1: us.
3: It's been three years now. Yeah. Every year
1: we're watching these movies.
0: It's
3: tradition.
1: It, it is now. I think that the, there's a rule, right? If it happens three times, now it is tradition. True. Exactly. Yes. exactly. If we break it, a curse will befallen upon <laughs> our families for oh. generations to come. Gosh.
3: Well, we only have two more years, right?
1: No, four. What? no three three three, three more years. Well, until
0: they come out with another one true oh
3: okay
0: scream seven perfect and then we have to watch all of the the entire show we have oh yeah it,
1: there's so. a tv show did you know there's a there's a scream show david who's in it no one no one we know no one famous it was produced by mtv and it was back in like 2015 um and i and i think uh no one liked it
3: wow
0: Although it was ranked number four, five. it was
1: ranked. It, yeah, Dino and I looked this up because we wanted to see how well Scream Three was ranked in the entirety of the Scream franchise, and it was bottom of the barrel, trash Rotten Tomato record, um, rating, um, and the TV show actually beat it by two spots up. So that's crazy. That is wild.
3: Because I actually liked Scream Three. Yeah, well, I,
0: think I,
2: I, I think I almost like this more than two. Really?
3: Hmm.
1: Well, I was having, I rewatched two right before we watched one. Right before we watched three. And I was thinking to myself, how are they going to get more meta in hmm. three? Because they get real meta in two. Yeah. And obviously, and I should have seen this coming, is that they just, You know, they talk about making the happenstances in Scream 1 into a movie and they show bits and pieces of the movie in Scream 2. And of course, I should have known that in Scream 3, we would be like on set of like of the filming of the final chapter of that fictional movies trilogy. You can keep up with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. But I think that was really cool. Like, that was a really cool way to kind of like make this into something more than what it is, is like bring us to the set in which this is being shot on.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I also thought,
0: you know, like uh, something that stood out to me that I really enjoyed about it was it, it could have seen maybe as like a pull it out of you know, out of the hat sort of moment, but having uh was it Randy as the character? Yeah, uh, the- come back as like a video recording of, you know, if I don't make it, here's what you need to know about a third one. Yeah. I did really like that because I didn't realize what I how much I liked him doing that in the first and second movie. Oh so yeah, the third where he basically explains and tells the audience this is what's going to happen.
1: And of course, we get that video by the introduction of his sister uh-huh. who we've never seen before, but never. I guess she was like in middle school when the first two were were taken and now she's, you know, old enough. Um what I <laughs> my favorite one of my favorite lines in the whole movie is from her. She she jump scares the crew by opening up like a portable And she's like, don't shoot me. I'm only 17.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) And then we all screamed a little because she's from Princess Diaries. (laughs) The actor.
2: You know, so uh, Jamie Kennedy, who plays Randy, um, I guess there was like a lot of blowback when he was killed in the second one. So they thought about writing basically that he secretly survived in the second one so that they could bring him back but they just thought that that was a little bit like too far yeah. so that's why they came up with the video idea which i think works better there is just like there's a lot with this movie where it it feels like that so it was written very quickly and it kind of feels that way that like there were a lot of ideas thrown out and one of the one of the major things and when you watch these movies it's like what you're kind of looking for is like you're trying to figure out who the killer is. And so many people, they kind of threw darts at so many people as far as like who could be the killer. But I guess part of the movie that they cut out the end was that Angelina, that plays Sydney, is supposed to be the second killer. Hmm.
0: That's what we were.
2: That's what I was thinking. Like I was like, dude, she
0: has to be the accomplice here because she
1: acts so weird throughout the whole movie,
0: and her yes. death was so off screen in a way. Like there was no real guarantee that
1: she was dead, other than her getting dragged away.
3: Yeah, I don't think you actually see her get stabbed, right? You you do, you
1: do. Yeah, you okay. do but you also see oh. Billy get stabbed in the first one. Right. So very quickly, the the Scream franchise has established that that means nothing. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can see a character get stabbed on screen, and it still possibly means they're alive. So Mm
3: -hmm.
1: that doesn't mean shit. Literally. Um, The that see throwing darts is kind of the perfect analogy at this because it almost feels like the writers writing this movie didn't even know who to make, like who they would make is the killer. Yeah. Um, and then at the final scene where everyone kind of gets picked off at the end, they're like, "Well, I guess we'll just." uh-huh. The ending, even though it's cool, the the whole oh I'm your half brother, it seemed just a little bit shoehorned in.
2: Well, and the the point I was making with uh, the Angelina thing is that like you know in a lot of these movies um, there's two killers, so that when you go you can rewatch it and say like all right well who did what you know because like in the first one oh Billy is like in the police station so who does this who who did this kill and um someone pointed out that like in this one it's like near impossible for roman to have like done all these killings on his own Mm -hmm. and then also like there's a certain point where sydney like throws him off like the second story of the set like how did he get back up there in reality it's supposed to be because both of them were in there um Mm -hmm. so like yeah i mean i don't know i think Having said that, like that, oh, it would have been cool to have her that I feel like they made it so obvious that she was a suspect with the way she acted. Yeah. That if it was if it was revealed, it was her. I guess it would have been cool because on the other side, Roman being the killer, there's like no evidence of that throughout the entire movie until the very end. And you're just like, oh, hey, this is the killer that you've like never even really seen that much. He's, right. he's been in like two scenes.
1: It would be insane if Roman comes out, it's like, hey, I'm the killer and your half brother. And then Angeline comes out and says, I'm also the other killer and your half sister. It's just yeah. like. That would have been wild much. actually.
3: Yeah.
0: And your mom <laughs> reincarnated. No, that... but yeah, I, I agree. It was like, I, I kind of felt a pang of sadness when I figured out there wasn't a second killer. Like I really wanted – it sounds silly, but I really wanted there to be that second one because now it doesn't feel like I should rewatch Scream 3. Kind of like what you said, David. It's like having that second killer makes the rewatch so much more enjoyable because it gives you something to do and you're like, oh, how did they – because literally actually when I showed up, when Alon, you were watching Scream 2, yeah. we literally started talking. I was like, okay, like I forget who – how, how did this person kill – with this, like at this scene in the van, who was that?
1: Um, yeah, it was like this specific kill with the sorority girl, but then the mom was already downstairs on the pay phone. Right. Um, yeah, things like that. It's like, oh, then it had to, had to be the other one. The cool thing about Scream 2 also is that the mom being present, but us not knowing it was her, mm-hmm. and then re-watching it knowing it's her now, it gives a new meaning to like everything she says. And and th- there's this one time where um Courtney Cox runs out, and this is after Dewey has been stabbed, and she, she runs into the mom, and she's like, Call 911, call 911, Cotton is the killer. And the surprise look on the mom's face of like cotton, and you're you're thinking, Oh, it's a natural reaction, because it's like, oh my god, it cotton's the killer. Right. But it's a surprised look on her face because she's like, like, no, he's not. I am. And I know Mikey is. Like, why would you Why would you think Cotton is? So right. it, it just gives like
2: a double meaning to everything. Hmm. So I think we can start from the top. I actually really like the opening with Cotton in this movie. Um, I guess it was Leave Schreiber's idea to be killed off because he's probably like, I don't need to be in like seven of these. Um, and I, I like that it wasn't like the way they use like the voice recording thing where he can like the, or the voice changing thing. I was, I I didn't want this to be some sort of, and it it happens a little bit in the movie, some sort of like, Oh, other people get blamed for the murders and the cops are trying to figure it out. Like that happened a little bit with Roman, but I like it, it worked itself out very quickly. So I, you know, I kind of expected that to be what they were going to do. Like Cotton was going to get pinned for another murder. And I was like, oh, great. You know, it's a repeat of one. So when he goes in there and his girlfriend is like, like accusing him of like pretending to kill him. And you find out that they have these like kinky fantasies where he does pretend to be a killer. But this one time he's like taking it too far, she thinks. Mm-hmm. Then when the killer pops out, it's like, oh, holy shit. Like it was that was a yeah. cool bit. Mhm.
1: Especially when he, on the phone, he's like, oh, your girlfriend is in the shower. And the first thing he does is immediately check the shower. Yeah. And um, it's still steamy, right? It's still steaming in there.
3: Mm-hmm. So it's
1: like, okay, she just took a shower. So he knows that it might be true. And then he sees the stab uh, marks in the door. And that's when he's like, let me grab a baseball club. I mean, a, a golf club. And... And shit goes down. I, th- I think that's cool. I, my, I think the only reason that the voice changer works and doesn't come off as like this super cheap thing that like exonerates everyone is that one of the voices that the audience think that the killer is mimicking is actually the killer's own voice. Yes. So I in remember, the beginning... Yeah. Right. In the beginning, when uh, that girl is called into the studio by Roman, it was actually Roman setting her up. Right. And it wasn't actually a voice changer, because I was thinking about that too.
0: When when it was all over, I was like, oh, so he didn't even have to use a voice changer. He used the voice changer to go into the the scream, like the killer voice, the ghost face voice. Right. Right.
1: The thing, too, it's like when Patrick Dempsey interrogates him and he's like, Um, her roommate knew that she was going to go meet you. And um, the security guard who saw her there said she was going to go meet you. And he's like, I never told her that I was going to meet her anywhere. It was like we were a character in that moment. Like the audience was the character in that moment thinking like, yeah, stupid Detective Kincaid. He didn't do it because the killer we know has a voice changer. Uh Uh-huh. But it it wasn't, and he actually did it. So it was just kind of funny how it, it flipped the script on us. Mm,
3: yeah. Well,
2: one thing I thought was uh, kind of funny about the beginning too. Uh, so Cotton throws a bookcase on Ghostface. And he somehow like hits Cotton, gets the bookcase off of him with all the books, gets up immediately as if nothing happened, and then kills Cotton. <laughs> Which is just like I, I like the, and I don't know if I made this comment last time, but like the Scooby Doo element of these movies, this is like Scooby Doo for adults, is all these movies are. Hmm. It's that- like trying to figure out who's in the mask, except like you're actually going to die in these movies. <laughs> it's
3: be a bloody death.
2: Yeah, I remember
0: seeing that too and being like, that can't be a girl <laughs> who just casually kicks off a, a bookcase. And because what happens is,
3: what you don't think a girl can do that?
0: Well, okay, I'm not, I think there are some <laughs> have girls, you seen Lee Schreiber? I mean, okay, come on, that's true, <laughs> but I think it's crazy because he kicks off the bookcase so hard that Lee Schreiber, like, it flips
1: him, it flies flips back. him over the desk, exactly. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm
0: like, okay. Um, that yeah. is a really good analogy, though, David. The Scooby Doo for adults, that's really funny.
2: Well, I I think I just was like watching it today. It's like that's the whole point. Uh, well, Scooby, doo that's not really the whole point. The whole point is to just watch it as a kid, or to get high as a pre, you know, a teen or an adult <laughs> and watch Scooby Doo. But like, I, it's just like the whole the whole point of these movies. And I, I think the reason that some people maybe have a problem with like the later versions of this is that you're trying to figure out who this is. And I don't think the movie does a great job of giving you the ability to do that. Yeah. I think that's my only problem with this one. I like think, it, it's, yeah, I think it's the a other two do. Yeah, this one's... Well, I, I don't know. I think the first one does, but then the second one, I think you can kind of figure out. It's Timothy Oliphant maybe, but there's no way that you can figure out that other reporter.
1: No, 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 for sure, for sure. But But with the first two... Mm-hmm. By the way, do you think that's why Matthew Lillard was hired to be Shaggy? in uh in this <laughs> live action Scooby-Doo because of because <laughs> of right. this.
3: This is basically oh. Scooby-Doo It should work.
1: Like zoinks. zoinks. That was pretty good. All right? Was it? Was it?
3: I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not too sure now. I'm not confident. Um well the 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 thing is too it's like when watching these Halloween Freddy Krueger, Jason um you always think oh it's it has to be one killer and one killer only and so scream immediately flips it on the head when it you said oh no it was these two guys you just never saw them at the same time so it the the endless possibilities i can't wait till we get to like a scream movie where there it's like five it's like five dudes who all get together and do this you know mm. that would be really interesting
3: five yeah and it's like a fraternity <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Or if it's like a cult, I feel like it would be really interesting if it was like a community, like if they move into a new neighborhood or something and it's everyone's in on it and everyone's, I don't know, something interesting like that. But yeah, I do agree on the aspect of like, I do feel like in Scream 2 and Scream 1, there was enough, like especially looking back, you see that they insinuate this could be a person. And they're, they're basically like, putting all it's like almost like they're taking all of the characters and putting them out in front of you and saying, here's all these people and here's why their motives would match up and why they would do it. It,
1: It's like a game of clue. It's like, is it, is it, you know, Gail Weathers with the hammer in the basement, you know, like that sort of thing. Um, This one kind of comes out of nowhere and he's like, by the way, it's Roman
0: who you haven't really (laughs) seen and who was also stabbed an hour ago. (laughs)
2: well, not, and the one thing that I think does kind of work with that is the video from Randy, where he's like, all the rules go out the window. You're going to cool. meet new characters that you've never known about, things you thought you knew. So you thought you knew how mm-hmm. Sydney's mom was killed. You're going to find out that that wasn't true. So I do think the the movie at least thought about, like, hey, <laughs> does this make sense? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. It
1: kept saying, like, it kept really making a point how old roman was he's like man a director with his biggest flop before the age of 30 and then like two you know nights later they're celebrating his 30th birthday so they're really making a point to be like this dude is 30 years old
3: so old
1: (laughs) yes so old So old so old um they're making a, a point of like okay this guy is 30 years old and sydney is a little bit younger so it, everything kind of lines up if you want to look in it more. And then like the killer leaves behind a picture of her mother young at the studio backlots, right? That's another huge plot point that the detectives are looking at. So it's like, what does that mean? Who has like access to, to her past and stuff? And then I like how the movie naturally where we would go too is pinning it on Milton, the, the Hollywood producer. Who has a diving board attached to his
3: yeah. like, 17th story
1: window office?
2: It's a, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I think i taking it back a little bit to the like the beginning. So we see Sydney. She's basically hiding out in the middle of nowhere. Then we go to Gail giving a speech on journalism. And like the mm. audience members are making fun of her. Um, and then we get taken to the movie set. I really love, so they had to rebuild all the sets for that one scene where she gets chased around there. But that's like my favorite part. I was almost like, man, I wish you'd kind of almost ended there with like that being like where the final, you know, if he had been like, let's take it back to where it all started. Sydney,
1: you know, what would be so cool. And I was kind of hoping that they were going to go do this and they did not is that they would have drew Barrymore's house, uh on set from the first one and then it would it would be putting sydney in the same space as drew barrymore which i feel like out of all all the movies out of the scream franchise that scene is the most iconic Hmm. Hmm. but sydney is nowhere near that scene right Mm. but putting her in that same set as drew, I thought that would have been really cool. And like, what a, what a perfect opportunity to like logically do that from, Mm. you know, in that moment, but that doesn't happen. Connect all the dots. Yeah.
2: So we go on the set, we meet all the characters, uh, Parker Posey, and this is great. And it's also like, they hired people that were like, well enough known to where you're like that, that could be it. Although, so like Emily Mortimer, who plays, um, angelina she i guess this was like her first like movie role and she had to like get special like she had to get a work visa so i guess they flew english right yeah so they flew her here she didn't they realized she didn't have a work visa so then i guess they had to fly her to canada to get a work visa to then come back um but, like, the, that was kind of, like, a, a, a pretty early role for her. But seeing her now, I'm like, I know exactly who that is. So that was cool, right? And then you have, like, Jenny McCarthy. um, The guy who plays the cop at first was like, is that fucking Brad? Like, from far off, I was like, is that, like, Brad Pitt playing their role? Because it was funny, like, having that person as oh, Dewey. Oh, oh, him, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up close, it doesn't look anything like it. But, like, at first glance from far off, I was like, wait, who do they have doing this? Because, like, I think at this time... It would have been ah. hilarious if it was like Luke Wilson or <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen oh, Wilson. Because they're related
1: to David Arquette. <laughs> oh, are they? Funny. No. No, they're not. No, because Luke Wilson was in the was in Scream 2. Who is he? He was the oh, actor. That, oh, he was
2: in Stab. Oh, he, gotcha. was in yeah, Stab. he was in Stab. Okay. So okay. it yeah. would have been funny <laughs> if it was Owen Wilson, right? Okay. Yeah, that would be
3: funny. That would
2: have been funny. Um
3: another Wilson.
2: So this all takes us to, you know, we have this, like, dream sequence with Sydney and a jump scare with with Ghostface. But I think the next kind of scene is the Jenny McCarthy scene where she goes to the studio and she thinks she's talking with Roman, which I guess she might actually be.
1: She is talking with Roman, and which is, like, the crazy – that's the most insane part of it.
3: Yeah, sorry to cut you off. Yeah.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead, Jenny.
3: No, that's, like, what twisted your mind was, like – it was Roman, but not really Roman, but it is Roman. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> well, that's
1: crazy too, because I forgot about that scene that they had where she's talking on the phone with him uh, and like they're reading the script together and his voice goes from Roman to Ghostface mm-hmm. on the phone, but it's, it's just Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So the Roman voice was real.
1: Yeah. And then he changed it to the ghost face voice. Mm hmm. Which correct me if I'm wrong, David, but I think that's the same guy, like the famous Ghostface voice, the same guy throughout all movies, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I when this death happened too, and you and I talked about this, um, I felt this movie was a lot less bloody. Uh, mm-hmm. And then it was we- it was definitely funnier. Like there were more gags in this movie, you know. Well, so reading up on it, and I, I told you, I was like, I almost wonder if this had to do with Columbine. And apparently they made a lot of changes because of that. They were thinking about bringing Matthew Lillard back and having him like plan murders at high schools. And they're like, all right, we can't fucking do that anymore. Yeah. Literally. And then um, they had to make a lot of cuts with the MPAA because around this time they're like, you know, do violent movies and video games, cause kids to, to do these things. I think also one of the reasons they cut the second killers because having two people going around murdering people like so like there were a lot of changes made because of that but when I said less bloody I was reading that there was actually less fake blood used in this movie so there I guess there were 10 gallons used in this there were 30 used in the second and 50 used in the first
1: oh my gosh
2: so like a substantial amount less of fake just, blood. It
1: just progressively
2: got less.
1: And the rating uh, also got less. So maybe that's some sort of correlation. right
2: well, now it's probably zero because it's all like CGI blood. <laughs> or
3: maybe they use real blood now.
2: Ooh. Oh, right, Horse blood.
0: Something that oh, no. was intriguing to me though, like upon reflecting on it, is I feel like with, I don't know, maybe it's just in the first movie, they're just psychotic killers and they're just killing because whatever but i felt like in scream 2 all the kills seemingly were connected to sydney and like led up to sydney and especially with like the first uh with cotton being killed it's like it establishes hey i'm trying to find sydney sweeney like where is she?
1: <laughs> not Sydney Sweeney. Oh my god, trying to find
0: Sydney Sweeney. Where is Sydney Sweeney. I said that even Prescott. less. Prescott. Sydney Prescott? Dang. Dino has um, Sydney
1: Sweeney on the brain. No, it's just the
0: only Sydney name I know. So I feel like that's why. But <laughs> okay, so, we all do, bud. We all yeah, do. you don't.
2: Yeah, you don't have to. I you mean, don't have
0: to apologize. It's a that. safe
2: space, me and a lot. We're Prescott. not. You don't have to convince us.
0: <laughs> Sydney Prescott. He's trying to find her, and then, um. The rest of the murders, like, have nothing to do with that. Well, even more so on that.
1: that. Even more to your point, is like the whole first three kills were, were the killer was systematically killing due to the script, right? right? Right. And then that was kind of just thrown out the window when the fucking house blew up. Yeah.
2: Who cares now? Well, there were three different versions of the script, so they're like, which version did the, the killer? So read? So it
1: could have been it could have been Parker Posey, the guy, or the girl. And it was just dependent on who went back into the house to read the final facts. Mm, Yeah, basically. That was the funniest thing, too. He Uh lights the lights, the ladder and uh, lighter. And he's like, "Uh, the person who dies is the one who smells the gas. And and I think they actually must have blown up that house. You think so? That looked like a real explosion. I mean, they killed that guy. For sure. no, no, they didn't kill the guy, but they—I mean, the way they blew up the house, I don't know. It looked it looked like they
2: blew up a fucking house. Have but... you seen Matt Keisler since this? Because I don't—I've never. That's true. I've never seen him since this. So he uh,
3: sacrificed his life
2: for this movie. He's method.
3: He's a method.
1: The worst it. So uh, <laughs> what a <laughs> way to go.
2: What I want to talk <laughs> about next is so they take uh, Roman away. And they think that he might have done it because the voice and like the roommate said that you know she heard Roman invited her. And then we get Sydney at home again and Ghostface calls her. Later on in the movie, they're like, how could anyone have gotten your number? And like, Dewey, do you have her number saved? And he's like, yeah, the only people that have seen it are Jennifer, Parker Posey, and the detective. And that like is never explained later how Roman... Got a hold of her.
1: I wonder if we go back and watch it, which we probably won't. Um, <laughs> but if we go back and watch it, if there is a moment that does explain that. I'm, I'm curious to, to see. I doubt it. Doesn't she,
0: isn't part of the explanation is like, he's supposed to have her number because when she's on the call, she realizes she accidentally pressed like the home phone button instead of work phone. Is that was... Is well, she got, at, she got called.
2: She got called. She realizes she got called at her home number, so and that's when she knows out. it was that something was up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's that's crazy too. I I also love like she goes. She has a dog, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then she goes into her house. She puts on the alarm, and then she has three like padlocks to lock her door. Um, and then at the end of the movie, that kind of changes for her. But her whole crisis thing is that now she's decided to dedicate her life to helping other women in crisis. I think that's kind of cool for her character.
3: Yeah. I think it's cool too, that the movie showed how she's taking security seriously, because I think I, I didn't like that about the second movie, how she just goes to college after all this trauma. I mean, we don't know what happens in between, but I'm like, if someone goes through all those killings and you yourself was being attacked or like being sought after, like how do you just go to college right after that? <laughs> it's like <laughs> a,
2: it's a fool me once shame on you. Fool me twice. I'm going to move out in the middle of yeah. California and get security. The yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's this, Whatever.
1: Um, I don't think anyone here besides me have seen the new Halloween remakes.
2: No, there's yeah. a,
1: There's a moment in the first one where now understanding that Jamie Lee Curtis, who has survived Michael Myers, (laughs) like six times at this point, right? Uh And so when you finally see her in the remake, she's a lot older. She has learned jujitsu. She has like... Fifty guns hiding around in her house she has trap doors, she has trip wire, she has like a perimeter set and it's like that's the kind of mentality that one would sympathize with if you've been intact if you've been attacked by michael myers like 50 times in your life mm-hmm. right so for sydney's sweet damn it do you know you doing it now it's, it's so stupid for sydney for Sidney Prescott you would imagine the exact same thing it's like every movie we see now she like now she doesn't go anywhere without a gun now Mm -hmm. she you know um so and of course this movie ends differently than what we would expect four or five or six to to be but even like um what's his face um the guy who dies who shows up Randy right uh even like Randy says it's like if this is a true trilogy, then it's a closing of a chapter. Whether the main character, Sydney, dies or not, it's still a closing of a chapter. And it just makes me more curious than to be like, okay, they ended this pretty well. What the hell is four even about? <laughs> yeah.
3: It's
2: ten it's ten years later, and they're like, Hey, money. <laughs> that's what it's about. That's what it's about. I mean we'll find out next year. Um also Sydney Sweeney would be a perfect like opening to like a, a reboot of this. Like true. playing the Drew Barrymore role.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That'd be good. That is actually a good a, <laughs> a good point.
2: Um so the next scene we get, Gail goes over to Parker Posey's house and she's like, Hey, Roman's released. And she says the calls were made from an untraceable cloned cell phone. I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> that just sounds like, that sounds like 2000 bullshit that like no one understood. And they're just like, all right, that checks out. Yeah, <laughs> that makes
1: sense. Speaking of 2000 bullshit at the end where she star 69s him. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's like, that's like a a school. relic of its time.
2: Yeah, Actually, I loved that though. Cause she's about to, he's calling her to reveal her location and she gets it first. Uno reverse cards him and stabs him. So
0: (laughs) yeah, we actually watched the alternate ending too. And the other, the alternate ending is all, is like more from her perspective. I really like what they went with in the final cut where that last bit is kind of from his perspective and he starts to kind of freak out she you you don't even see her face doing any of the stuff you just see her hands grabbing the ice pick calling star 69 and it kind of does set her up as honestly like this badass of like i know how to freaking fight back in this situation i thought that was a really cool way to end that um i don't know that whole death sequence
1: and the only difference, too, David, in the alternate ending is uh, Patrick Dempsey never comes in with a gun. So when David Arquette blows the fuse by sticking the, the metal into the socket, the blackout is what gives her time to escape and hide behind the bar.
2: I, yeah, well, because the blackout was so confusing. I was like, why did he what does that solve now? It just makes yeah. it harder to find them when you go goes- in there. I have an idea I'm
1: going (laughs) to electrocute myself.
0: (laughs) I do that too. Sometimes
1: get me out of this fucking franchise. I'm going to kill myself.
2: I guess it was unclear if Patrick Dempsey was going to make it or not at the end of this, like whether he was going to live or die. Um, so we next go to, um, Oh, well he tells the, Dewey tells the other security guard to check the perimeter. And then we get, uh, so Patrick Warburton is playing the uh, the, the guy. Crunk, incredible. You, Cronk. I have so many alternate castings at the end of this that I'm going to run through. But do you know who they considered to play that role? The Patrick Warburton role. Yeah. Bert butchered that name. Yeah, the Patrick Warburton role. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah,
0: Stone Cold.
2: It uh, would have been great. So and then right after he's killed, there's like a ton of like huge set pieces in this movie of like multiple murders, which is kind of a little bit different from what I remember like at when from the other one. So like when we get to the end of this movie, I was like, oh, there's 45 minutes left and they're all going to this party. I was like, this seems like a cool final location, but it's like there's way too much time. And then it's okay. just kept going and it then kept singing, going. it's called Yeah. So I guess um, Nev Campbell had it in her contract that she only had to work like three weeks on this movie, and mm. so like she's barely in it. That's why it felt like Gail Weathers was way more the main character than
1: than um, Sydney Prescott.
2: Yeah, she's oh, just so. not she's not in it that much. Um, just, and then yeah, the blowing so the blowing up of. Of the house, Tom dies, and then they all run. They all fall down the hill, and when Angelina like comes out of a weird spot, I already thought it was weird because you don't see her falling down the hill. Yeah. So I was like,
3: Yeah,
2: what? To me, it was like she knew it was about to happen, so she was like, "Well, I'm not gonna fall down a hill. I'll just well, like, <laughs> jump in the pool or something." Well, hold on. Before
1: we get to the Angelina coming out of a weird spot, you can't forget that Ghostface is like two seconds away from killing gail weathers and then dewey shoots him but then it's revealed later on that he was wearing a bulletproof vest right always always Always. and he's he rolls ghostface rolls under the car and then that's when we see parker posey walk up and then from the other side that's when we see angelina walk up so it could have been like Ghostface could have been Angelina rolled under the car, ran around, and then came in from that side. I think is what the movie wanted us to think happened. Mm. Because that's what I thought happened.
2: Well, Uh, you also could have thought it was Parker Posey.
0: Right. I did. I thought it was Parker Posey for a while. Well, because also Parker Posey was the first one to run into the building or run into the house after Patrick is stabbed. It's like the first person. There's like that suspense sequence where – Dewey's like, uh, hello, anyone? Th-? And then uh, Parker Posey jumps in. And I f- I'm just like, I had this mentality throughout the whole first half. Because what we did was we all put wrote down names at the very beginning, like halfway through. We're like, okay, who do we think are the two killers? And I, I thought her, because I just noticed every single time someone died, she was like the first mm-hmm. one to show up.
3: Even towards the end when um, Roman... Yeah, looked dead. She was right there behind a curtain.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That actually made me think. So you you think she is it until after this scene? They go to the studio. Then so Sydney shows up because the detective's like, "I want to talk to her. I'm gonna get you for obstruction," which is like, "I don't. You're not gonna get him for anything." Um, and then he calls Sydney, and she just shows up at the police station. And then they decide to go down to the studio and um parker posey follows gail around and that's when sydney is attacked so you know at the very least she can't be the only you know killer like she could be one of them
1: when you could still think it's two it still has a lot of possibilities
2: yeah because no one's safe it's also the same as like if you see a death or if you see someone exonerated then like that doesn't mean anything yeah so when they're at the studio
1: and she gets chased by the ghost face around the set of her house, um, it's so cool how they utilized it. Right. So she's sitting in her bedroom. It's so freaking cool. I can't get over it. She's sitting in her bedroom and she's remembering like the, when Billy snuck in her room and like that whole conversation and happening. Right. She hears a noise. She goes out, she looks out the window and then the door I think slams behind her and she pulls the same move that she did in the first movie where she opens the closet door to block her bedroom door from opening.
2: I was like, do the thing, do the thing with the doors. <laughs>
1: and, and I really thought that the killer was going to come out of the closet door. Yeah. I was thinking um, that too, actually, when, whenever she
0: was opening it up, I was like the closet doors in frame it's a perfect opportunity
1: not only is it in frame but the way they do it too like in the beginning too when cotton was in his car the way they framed it is they gave so much space to his right that you totally expected a ghost face to pop up in the back seat right yeah um but the way they frame the doors and the way they like light it so that it's like really dark and you can't really see anything back there mm-hmm. um but then he comes through the window and then they do the whole roundabout but how he the the coolest part of that scene is when she comes out of the second story, realizes there's no floor there. Right? Ghostface does the same thing, and she's waiting for him. Grabs him by the collar and throws him off. Yeah, that was so amazing.
3: Cool. I think we all applauded. We all a, cheered. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but he had a soft landing. So yeah, man.
2: Um. So we already talked about Randy, his video. Yep. And at the same time, Sydney's being attacked, which I like is my favorite part of it, her walking through the houses. Um, she's then like gets thrown out and like the detective comes in. And I think at this point, they're like really want you to think it's the detective. Yeah. They really want you to think it's Angelina. Like those are kind of the two primary suspects. Well, it worked because we did. <laughs>
3: yeah. I thought for sure the detective I mean, I guess like later when watching it unfold. The closer it got to the ending, the more obvious it seemed. So I was like, okay, so maybe it seems super
1: obvious, super obvious. When when there was that moment where he was he has the gun and she pulls the gun and he tells her to put the gun down. He does this creepy ass smile. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, but if you want, if you watch it, if you watch it, thinking he's not the killer. The smile he does is the realization that oh, she thinks I'm the killer, and I need to defuse this situation by putting my gun away. Mm. The the yeah. yeah. So there are so many times where I was like, oh, this is probably the killer, and then the movie kept going and making it more obvious. So like towards the end, uh, as Sydney is talking, uh, is just waiting in the office. All the cops outsiders like, oh, where's Detective Kincaid? I don't know. I haven't seen him all day. He's disappeared what could he be doing? I was like, all right, guys, it's like, what do we? Also,
1: he has all these like, um, playbills and movie posters all around his office. Like he's a big cinephile Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and it's like, well, who, who did we know that was a big cinephile last movie? Oh, Mikey, who also happened to be the killer. Like, yeah.
2: But then also like he has the Sydney file that he's not supposed to. Mm
1: -hmm. Right. Yeah,
0: (sighs) exactly. I will say like I, in that whole moment, I was like, Especially when he, it was just them two in the office and he was kind of like talking and they definitely like underlaid the music to make it sound more sinister than it the conversation might've actually been. He gets yeah. right up in her face and- Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like
3: my story. But I remember
1: weird. just being like, oh yeah, that's right, Jenny. Sorry, you know, just real Thank quick. Where, where yeah. she's like, what's your favorite movie? And he's like, my life.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and he says it so creepily- of like that's my favorite yeah, yeah. Like, i don't know was weird. Right. i
2: think if you watch it back now you're just like oh they're just like flirting with each other and they're super cringe about it you know what, <laughs> what i mean because he just he's like kind of in love with her it seems like like he has oh. an infatuation with her and the other cop who i guess the other cop at one point was considered for the killer i could see that um yeah, yeah. yeah i mean there were so many. So uh, one cool part about this is that Scott Foley, who plays the killer, you know, they don't tell people that they're the killer until later on. And I guess like someone working on the movie, like a makeup person or whatever, is just like, do you know? He's like, no, no, what? I'm like, you're the killer. And He's like, oh, sweet. And like, he's oh, like, boy. you know, if you get brought onto a screen movie, you want to be the killer. So I like, I think. Parker Posey could have had a crazy turn as the killer. Like I've seen her do parts like that. Yeah. So that like I wanted that, but I mean, she was great in the role she played anyway. That whole thing and we
1: kind of skipped over it, but the whole thing where they made Parker Posey play Gale, but then Dewey is her advisor on how Gale would act is Mm -hmm. such a (laughs) douchebag thing for for dewey to do especially when you have that scene where she overhears them talking about her and they're like yeah she's a real bitch sometimes (laughs) but good heart good heart it's like no i don't care i'd be super pissed about that whole thing
2: we also we haven't even brought up princess leia and the like one of the lines so apparently she like she helped rewrite some of her lines but the I was up for Princess Leia. Who gets it? The one that sleeps with George Lucas. It's like so funny. And like the <laughs> fact that she was willing to do it. I told, I told Alan later on, like when I had like 20 minutes left in the movie, I was like, "Is fucking Princess Leia going to be the, like the murderer.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: That'd be insane. Awesome. But you know, you
1: had like, you had her, you had Jane, Silent Bob, where Dino and Ginny don't even know who Jane, Silent Bob are. Sorry. Um, they just
3: like popped out of nowhere
1: mm-hmm. in the movie. But yeah, I think and it's their their cameo is so like, so fast and funny, you know, it doesn't even impact the movie at all. But what is crazy to me is that at the end, when they're in the mansion and Parker Posey dies, she's on the opposite side of one way mirrors. And that one way mirror is obviously in like a woman's bedroom. And it's in the creepy producers house. And I can't help but think that Bob and Harvey Weinstein both produce this movie as like who thinks of it of like putting a one-way mirror in a, in a woman's bedroom oh people who actually would put a one-way mirror in a woman's bedroom hey, that's a good point actually i
2: didn't but even I think feel, about that i feel like the movie is making like you keep bringing that up and i feel like the movie is like making fun of like lambasting those type of people more than like oh harvey weinstein's like let's show what I, my life is like what a perfect cover Oh, my God. No, I mean, I, like, first of all, like the, the John Milton character isn't isn't him, like isn't Harvey Weinstein, because the guy's the director. Right. But it is making fun of like not making fun of. I don't even know what the commentary is, but it is bringing to light like the using it's just using as a story arc, the, the, yeah, the, you know, yes. the women had to sleep for parts. Mm-hmm. Um.
1: Well, what's funny, too, it's like for the Angeline character, she apparently won this opportunity to play Sydney in this movie. And then everyone was like, oh, she's not so innocent. She probably slept with the director to get this part. Right. And then it's revealed later on. And she she plays this like very innocent, sweet girl. Right. And then it's revealed
2: later on that she slept with Milton to get the part. There was no winning anything. Well, also, too, she plays an innocent person, but that character breaks a lot to where she's just like when she's in the house with Roman at the end, she like her characters kind of change and she's like more kind of freewheeling and wild. Which well, is when be-
1: everyone starts dying, she's like and, and, and Gail and Parker uh, want her to, to follow them out of the she's like, fuck this. People are dying. I'm out. I didn't come to Hollywood and sleep with Milton just to die. You know, and so, yeah.
2: Well, and I guess uh, Emily Mortimer too thought that she was going to be a killer, so she acted that way for most of the movie. So when she found out that that part had been cut, she was kind of like, "Oh well, that's like n- not the way I was playing it." <laughs> <Right>. so, <laughs> she, so
1: she was even like the she had the Ghostface stuff in the bathroom, like yeah. in one yeah. yeah. too.
2: Well, yeah, and she's cool. she's wearing the same boots that Ghostface wears that we see in the beginning. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like, that part was cool because that's also the scene from the first one where Billy is in the bathroom. Oh, Billy,
1: yeah, yeah, not, mm. not the second one. You're right, Billy, yeah. But uh, honestly, though, they're, they're Doc Martens, and it's 2000, so who didn't have a pair of Doc Martens in 2000? That's fair.
3: Or so, right now. <laughs> or
1: now, exactly. Yeah. We could all be the killer. Okay,
0: oh, sure. no. Uh I think so, the real killer is the friends we met along the way, you know? <laughs>
2: Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so we next get the scene where they go to Milton and accuse him I I love when she's like who, you know they're asking him and he's like how do I know some actress stood it and he's like who said she was an actress and then Parker Posey yells at him and she's like easy Geraldo like the the lines between them are, are pretty funny because also you yeah. have Parker Posey like thinking she's a reporter now like trying to play a reporter it's, yeah. it's like yeah. really good well,
1: when they go see Carrie Fisher and then you know um Courtney Cox gets all up in that that dude's face he's like all right chill Lois Lane
3: yeah that was funny because you were like Courtney Cox would play a good Lois Lane I said that right before
1: yeah yeah right before she's called Lois Lane I was like oh if a Superman movie was made in like the early 2000s Courtney Cox would have been a killer Lois Lane
2: is this the time to talk about her hair in this movie, It's um, <laughs> the perfect time.
3: The were so loved. As soon
1: as she showed up on screen, Dino threw up.
2: <laughs> so I guess those are fake, and um, she like the bangs. Yeah, the, the bangs, bangs are fake. fake? And what? she said that like they they only had one pair, and that like when they put them on, the person <laughs> cut them horribly. uh there's like a quote from dev campbell where she was like i was trying to be supportive and i was like oh no they look they look great um but i like before i saw this movie a couple um weeks ago i saw like a meme it was just an instagram video making fun of bad haircuts in movies and that one was on there and i was like oh my gosh like why is that like who thought that was a good idea
1: it almost looked like it wasn't David Arquette that stuck the fork in the light socket. It was Courtney Cox that stuck <laughs> the fork in the light socket. Also, we were always reminded of her good hairstyle in the previous movies. Cause that's how Parker Posey wore it. The entire yeah.
2: film. Yeah. So Sydney's at the police station and detective Kincaid's like, I'm going to leave. So detective uh, Patrick Dempsey showing up in the end of this movie was the producers like idea. Cause they're like, Why the fuck has he not been in the last 45 minutes of this movie? He was just not supposed to show up for the rest of the movie. Well, you could
1: see that in the alternate ending since he wasn't there.
2: Yeah. So Mm. he leaves and then we get a call. Uh, Dewey gets a call from Sydney, but we know as the audience it's fake because she's like, I'm with the detective right now. We're heading over to Milton's and we know that the detective left. So we know that they're going into a trap. And so then they get there. They find, they use star 69 or they use like the caller ID and they find the mask. So then they start looking for people. With the
1: voice changer. They find the 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 mask with the voice changer. Um, And then finally the, you know, general cast is aware of the voice changer. So I don't know. I think it was a real weird choice to like make the voice changer not known for so late because the audience knew of a voice
2: changer the entire time.
3: Mhm.
2: Well, because they kept using it, right? Like they they the it's kind of a crutch. That's why the the characters didn't find out about it until the very end because the movie kept using it as a crutch to keep the plot going along. I I don't think like in real life there's actually a voice changer that good.
3: Yeah, not even to this day. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It almost, I will say that it almost sounded instead of a voice, it was a voice changer, but it almost sounded as if it was just a recording.
1: Right. Which is what I thought at first until they were like.
2: Because when Sydney calls Dewey, the fake Sydney, he's like, she's like, hey, yeah, I'm going to this party. And he's like, okay, but what about this? She's like, See you there, Dewey, thanks. And it just like ends it. And it was like, oh, I you know I didn't have a line for your your comeback. So I just had to say like, oh, we're done. Yeah. Like, uh, true <laughs> yeah, like true lies.
1: Yeah, like true lies.
2: So we're in the final scene, which by the way, this house apparently was used in Halloween H2O. So we'll get to see it again, Alon, in like Whoa. four years. Three. Three years. Three years. Yeah. Um, Roman goes off with Parker, which makes you think that those are the two killers looking for the screening room um they end up going downstairs do you know we already said Dewey uses the caller id so gail finds roman dead and then she checks his pulse and that was like a big plot hole for a lot of people like well she checked his pulse and the west craven was like well you know there's ways to fake that it was like it's not explained and also like how parker posey if roman just killed himself like why is parker posey hiding and scared I was
0: literally thinking about that too, because I'm like, she it, it makes so much more sense for her to go down there, kill him, stab him, and hide, and then be like, oh my gosh, he was
2: here. Where or fake his like, or fake is death. Right.
0: Where it doesn't make sense for her to I mean, I guess if Roman quickly stabs himself, gets in the thing, and she's we don't see her freak out, come down. Roman Are are you there? And then she finds him there. Then maybe she reacts by just hiding in the curtain until someone else. But I feel like that just doesn't make sense to me.
1: Yeah, something, something doesn't sit right here. Because even if Courtney Cox is about to check Roman's pulse and then Parker Posey comes out and deters her away from checking his pulse, then it could have been oh, okay, he he faked it, he could never, you know, right? So, but the fact that she checks his pulse and isn't Roman the only death that happens off screen to us, the audience? We've seen everyone die from Ghostface, except Roman. Roman is the only one that we don't see and and it's because it's fake.
3: Well, We we technically don't see the guy blow up. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh, we do. We, we we somewhat do. We do. We don't see Tyson die. We hear him die. Yeah, because he gets we he gets thrown off a balcony. We don't see him hit because we yeah, can't. but we see his body later. But okay, we saw we saw Roman's body later, but it was fake.
3: I guess we don't see him actually hit the ground.
1: It's not Tyson. Okay.
2: Well, no, yeah, he he's definitely dead. Um, so. <laughs> Angelina says <laughs> says, I did not fuck that pig Milton to die here with second rate celebrities as she runs off. <laughs> she gets stabbed sort of off screen and then dragged away. They all run, and then Ghostface, who I guess is just a fucking badass, attacks four people in a bedroom and just yeah. like crushes them all. Like stabs Tyson, gets uh uh, Parker Posey to hide, which ends up being her demise, because Tyson runs off saying he's going to call the cops, so then he gets killed. And then Roman, I guess, knows his way around this house, so he finds Parker Posey. And killing her through the glass was a cool, was a cool death. Like, as yeah. Dewey's shooting the glass out.
1: Very reminiscent of how Dewey dies in the music studio in the second one.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Or... Dewey almost dying in the music like, studio. And, yeah, yeah. Wait, wait, huh? Almost dying. As as like Courtney Cox is witnessing in the soundproof booth. But what's reverse of here is like we see from Parker Posey's angle, like David Arquette and Courtney Cox, but they can only see their reflection. So they have no idea what's going on. Uh-huh.
3: <laughs>
2: And then, so Gail gets grabbed by Ghostface a little later on, and they fall down the stairs, and Ghostface kind of gets knocked out. And I was like, "That's very reminiscent of when Ghostface got knocked out in the car." Yeah, and Sydney had to like crawl over him. Um, and then Ghostface calls Sydney, and
1: oh, wait, 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 wait! What <laughs> I didn't want you to walk away from the scene. Uh, without mentioning is Ghostface throws his knife at Dewey and we think it's going to like fucking impale him and kill him in his skull. And it hits him in the hilt oh, and
2: yeah.
1: then just knocks him out, which I think is hilarious.
3: <laughs>
2: it's such a Dewey way to get knocked out. So <laughs> Ghostface calls Sydney. She steals some car keys and she grabs a gun and she gets to there and he, to the mansion and he makes her use a metal detector I was like, man, she should have grabbed two
1: guns.
2: (laughs) Yeah, And then that was such a great reveal. Because I think every movie, especially two and three, you forget that she's kind of a badass in the end of these movies always. Yeah. Um, So like she pulls out the second gun, shoots him. He disappears. He tries to stab her again. And she's just like, all right, motherfucker, come get me. Like, let's do this. Um, And we already sort of talked about Detective Kincaid coming in and her thinking that it's him. Uh But then, yeah, now we're at the final, final act. The Scooby-Doo mask is removed and we figure out that it is Roman. I do
1: want to mention when Roman comes out and reveals himself, he's wearing the corner bloody thing from where I thought that she was having another dream about her mom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But how is Roman so in tune with her psyche? Knowing like she's dreaming about her dead mom and then Roman is going to like pretend to be the dead mom.
3: That's true. That's why I was like, was that a hallucination or?
1: It was kind of weird uh,
0: that. I
3: know it was.
0: Yeah. It, it was weird that she was dreaming of her mom being outside. Like not just by the window, but her mom like walking. You
1: know what I mean? Like.
3: Yeah, that was creepy
0: that roman
1: home. hired an actress had her right. makeup done and then like yeah Literally.
2: He, i mean he didn't know where she lived so but yeah i think the movie does like kind of play with like oh is this a dream or is this something because i think when she's on oh. the set when she's on the set he's definitely faking the mom's voice although yeah. how does he know like how, how does he does get he know her voice exactly. well how does he get her voice i mean he did go to her at one point and she was like no i'm not gonna be your mom what kind of voice
1: changer has the settings? Like, how would you even do those settings? Where it's like you you copy the tone and, you know, cadence of someone's speaking voice, and then whatever you say into it, it just does it that it's really way? really
0: only available now with artificial intelligence.
1: That's I true. feel like
0: it, you can do that now, but the idea of doing that is just bonkers before well, maybe, last year.
3: Maybe because he's in the movie world, he has access to more expensive gadgets like that.
1: yeah,
3: maybe like it just it of- just
1: it seemed like they were throwing in a science fiction element in this like kind
2: of grounded story. Hmm. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. So Roman, you know that we have a big fight. He's choking her to death until Kincaid walks in. And then she pulls the knife on him and he's like, well, I found something better. And she shoots him. And you were talking earlier about how the alternate ending shows that from, from uh, Sydney's perspective, her hunting Roman. But I think yeah. like the movie always shows the perspective of the person being hunted. So oh, I Roman. like the, like the continuity of that, of now Romans being the one who's being hunted and then the, the star 69 thing. And she stabs him and then she holds his hand as he's dying I love, I love when uh i forget who says it it was, it was either gail or dewey like it was roman and i was just thinking like yep scooby-doo it was roman this whole time in the mask um and then he gets up and she's just like head dewey head shoot him in the head he's
1: like what yeah just like just like how mikey gets up in the in the last uh in the last one and then i think billy gets up in the first one after mm-hmm. being yeah
2: and then the movie ends with a proposal, and I, I think that part's lame. Like, the, I don't <laughs> know, bad acting, bad dialogue, whatever. Um, I like Sydney coming in, opening the gate, leaving it open, not okay. putting the coat on, like finally just being like, all right, you know, this is this is over. Which it was until you know they decided they needed to make more money. All right? Are they dating now,
1: Sydney and and Kincaid? I think so. Is that why he's like? I have a movie on. She's like, what kind of movie? And then cut to black. It's your mom's porno, Sydney. (laughs) (laughs) What? That'd be insane too, right? Like if it was like, oh, it's a horror movie. Like, no. (laughs) No.
3: Something I thought that was cool too. I think Alon pointed it out that um, Sydney had her college boyfriend's necklace on. Yep time and that's what she used as a weapon in the for, second for one
2: for the second one so yeah. i was like
3: expecting that to like happen come again. back into play yeah, come back but yeah she's carrying it
1: around as a just in case sort of sort of thing yeah. so david uh before we give our final thoughts you have
2: alt castings they yeah, have a ton there's also some other fun facts but i'll just do the castings because it's a lot so um the Carrie Fisher part was offered to Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, she turned it down, which would have been really funny. Okay. Although I think Carrie Fisher's great. And then uh, I guess Heather Lockley was considered. Um, John Milton, uh, Wes Craven considered doing it himself and also considered Christopher Walken. Mm. Oh my gosh. That would have been funny. <clears throat> and then it's basically just like, Hey, what, what WB actor can be in this movie right now? So, David Boreanaz from Angel was considered for Detective Kincaid. Oh, that Chris- would have been good. Christine, who is Cotton's girlfriend in the in the beginning of this movie, has the most considered. So well, she she ended up being played by someone from Gossip Girl.
3: Yeah, and it was such a small part.
2: Well that's like that's what this movie does though because so many people like I think like these franchises like like this franchise in the beginning that they're just like oh I'll do a bit part and make a little bit of money and just be a part of this franchise so and I don't know whether these people were considered offered whatever uh Kate winslet for Christine Kate winslet Shannon Doherty Charisma Carpenter Liv Tyler Jennifer Connolly Alicia Silverstone Carrie Russell Alyssa Milano and Denise Richards Wow,
1: wow. if Alyssa Milano took the Took the part. You you were one person away from having the three charmed girls.
2: Well, Shannon Doherty's the other one, right? Is she? Yeah. Okay. So either way, you're trying to knock out two. Um, Tom Prince, Paul Walker, Josh Hartnett, James Vanderbeek. For who? Tom Prince.
1: Who's the Oh, the guy who plays
2: Dewey in the Char- yeah yeah yeah. Ab three. Okay.
3: Whoa, mm. I would have loved Josh Hartnett. <laughs>
2: hmm. Any of the, I think any of those. <laughs> James yeah, Vanderbeek would have been yeah. really funny. He would have been hilarious. Because it's um, him. Yeah, Jennifer Jolie, uh, who is the Parker Posey part. Uh, Selma Blair and Terry Hatcher. Terry Hatcher would have been really good. Like, I was thinking Selma Blair would have been amazing. Uh, they both would have been good. Uh, for Roman, uh, Benicio Del Toro. And then for Sarah, Tara Bernice, Reed, What? I'm sorry, wait. So for the killer, it would have been <laughs> Benicio del Toro. Well, I mean the killer wasn't decided until like last minute. So he yeah. just would have been the director hmm. until he was the killer. I mean, if you have Benicio del Toro in the movie, you almost can't make him the killer. That's
1: hmm. <laughs> true. It's too obvious.
2: Uh, for Sarah, which is the Jenny McCartney part, uh, Tara Reed, Monica and Ali Larder, which I think all work. Um, yeah. Monica would have been different, obviously. Um, yeah, that's it. I, oh, but I, what about what about? Oh no, you said um, Stone Cold Steve Austin for Patrick Warburton's role, yeah. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been the best one. Um, although Stone Cold Steve Austin can't die, so like, yeah, yeah, he's he's kicking the shit out of <laughs> out of Ghostface. <laughs> um, I do like how Patrick Warburton like kind of gets the best of him a little bit. Like, yeah, he gets stabbed and he turns around and like throws him up against the thing because it's like that's that's the way it would go um Mm -hmm. i i think the i think this movie is pretty is a pretty good conclusion to the franchise i will say one like defect in these movies the way they do them is not knowing how it's going to end until the last minute and so then like it just kind of it feels like oh so you're just like you wanted to make us think it could be anybody and not reveal who it was and then you know, you have this Angelina character who really—I mean, there's one point where Tom Prince says, "I think the killer's Sidney Prescott." So it's like laying the foundation, like, "Oh, it's the girl playing Sidney Prescott." Um, but overall, like, still really enjoyable. Um, oh, yeah, like a really good ending to the to the series until it starts back up.
3: <laughs> we'll see how they figure out a new plot.
2: Yeah,
0: one year, one year from now, one year, yeah. we'll find out. I overall, I really enjoyed it too. Like I, we were kind of talking on the way. I'm like, I think I, I liked it and enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed Scream 2. I, I think upon reflecting, I feel like there was a lot more loopholes and plot points that made me be like, eh, that doesn't make sense. But I enjoyed it as a whole watching the movie. Like it did, I feel like what it was supposed to do, which was give me some jump scares, make me laugh. Kind of conclude with just like this very, I don't know, who done it reveal. It just kind of, I don't know. It was an enjoyable watch. I enjoyed it.
3: And Dino really did have a jump scare. So yes. So I can attest to that.
0: Courtney Cox's hair. Yes. Oh, gosh. Although I will say, the one moment I had to stand up out of my chair was just when we saw the mom. I was just like, I can't do this. That
3: <laughs> I, is I cannot
1: do this. Mom showing up. <laughs> it's not. Don't do well with that stuff. The thing for me is that I really like the movie, and what's strange too is like w- looking at the rankings, how Rotten Tomato has ranked them. The highest one being um, Scream Two, actually, at, at a eighty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, and then. The second lowest one, which is Scream 4, is at a 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. David, the drop between Scream 4 and Scream 3 being the lowest one is 41% on Rotten Tomatoes.
2: Yeah, saw people don't really like this one.
1: People don't really like this one. I didn't have a problem with it. The only thing that I could see an issue with, that I had an issue with, is that throwing the I'm your half-brother Uh, plot line in there kind of felt shoehorned in Um, but apart from that i really enjoyed it and i think these movies aren't too focused on a scaring you and b being taken very seriously i think it's like it just wants to make sure that its audience is having like a fun time watching this Mm -hmm. and i think it it did that for us so
3: yeah and it gives us hope for watching the future movies if they're rated highly if we like it. I'm higher
2: sure. than this yeah yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah honestly
2: well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched this is david and this is elon and dino and jenny and, and we, we
3: see- finally we watched watch screen, screen three <laughs> <laughs>
0: that was better than i thought it was gonna be